is Mystic Takeaway, dishing up extraordinary real-life stories to inspire wonder and nourish the soul. I'm Elisa Graff. My guest today is Rich Tyke of San Francisco, California. Good to have you with us. So, Rich, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Rich Tyke, and I was born in Honolulu after World War II. My father was in the Navy, so we moved around quite a bit. After high school, I went into the Air Force Academy for four years, came out with a degree in psychology. I was sent to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where I was there for four years. Um, This was during the Vietnam War, and I worked in a systems program office that was dealing with survival equipment, basically things to help down pilots in Southeast Asia, um, survival equipment, signal equipment uh, like flares, and, and they were trying to help people rather than hurt people during that period. Then I, I was also in graduate school where I went to University of Dayton and got a, a master's degree in clinical psychology. And then I had one more year left to serve in the Air Force, uh, and I moved to San Francisco Bay Area in Palo Alto and uh, went to a, a school called California Institute of Asian Studies, where I um, was working on a degree in East-West psychology. Then I basically dropped out, gave everything away, um, moved to San Francisco, kind of lived, not exactly as a homeless person, but living you know, in places where I was able to stay for a little while. Um, and then in uh, 1979, I went to the Cultural Integration Fellowship, where I lived for 20 years as a kind of a maintenance person and for rent-free. Um, and then while I was there, I was exposed to a lot of Eastern religions, Indian culture and religion. I was just going to ask you, uh, the Cultural Integration Fellowship, isn't that related to Sri Aurobindo? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. The, the California Institute of Asian Studies was began in 1968 by Haridas Chaudhary, um, who was a disciple of Sri Aurobindo from India, who was also a professor in Asian studies. And uh, he was asked to come over and start a school um, that was the original American Academy of Asian Studies. And then he later branched off and formed the California Institute of Asian Studies um, in 1968. And so there was a a strong integral yoga, integral psychology orientation to the school in that time. He passed away in 1975, and the faculty basically self-organized. His wife also helped, and they continued the school on. And um, when Ralph Metzner, who you might have known as one of the pioneers in LSD, along with Timothy Leary, became the head of the psychology department, the clinical psychology department. They changed the name because they thought it would be more accessible to people. So they called it the California Institute of Integral Studies. So it now exists and is thriving. And it's primarily a graduate school for people that are interested in many subjects nowadays that relate to consciousness, including they even have a very successful program in psychedelics because psychedelic therapy is not Interesting. Well known. Right. Um, so that was kind of the orientation that I had. In 1975, I was living just a few blocks away from the building itself that had a library in it. And for some reason, I felt to, to look through the library and look up Alice Bailey books. 
And so for some reason also, I just felt like I could start reading all these Alice Bailey books. And so I went through most of the books very quickly and um, found that they made sense. So that was my orientation also. So then in 1980, um, I was living at, still living at the fellowship and we were on a mailing list for many churches. And um, we got some advertisements for an event that was going to be in San Francisco in July a public talk by a man named Benjamin Krem. And it was talking about the reappearance of the Christ. So since I'd read Alice Bailey's book, The Reappearance of the Christ, I thought that uh, there was a connection there. So I went to that lecture and that was the first time I heard Benjamin Krem give his talk. And so since then, um, I, I joined their meditation group, the Transmission Meditation, and uh, I've been basically doing that ever since. So that's how I became involved in the work that we're involved in now. Well. Wow. Speaking on the subjects you were reading about in Alice Bailey's books, for example, The Return of the Christ, the master who wrote the Alice Bailey books, uh, their perspective about what the Christ is or what it means is very different from what a religious orientation to that word would be. Well, having a kind of a, a broad background, as soon as I got out of the Air Force Academy and moved to Dayton, I had a lot more freedom to to study different subjects. And um, so I, I went to the bookstore in Dayton and started looking through the philosophical section there. And, you know, there were books on yoga. So I took a Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography, which was very life-changing experience. Of course, yeah. And um, a number of books on yoga, psychology, um, on Zen, which was big then, Zen and psychotherapy. Um, and so I did a lot of reading on these types of subjects. So in terms of the, the Christ, having read Alice Bailey books in 75, it made a lot of sense. There's a much broader view of who humanity is. And so that, you know, of course, when you get into, yeah. when you get into um, yoga psychology, there's the idea of reincarnation, which is an implicit part of that. And evolution of consciousness is all part of that. The traditional view of evolution for Indian psychology is basically looking for a state of consciousness that might be called nirvana or might be called enlightenment. And so you go through many lifetimes, but what you're doing eventually is trying to become detached from this wheel of samsara, this wheel of constant com coming and going and coming and going back and forth. Um, and eventually you get on a spiritual path and you start doing meditation and you'll, by doing this for a long period of time, you will become enlightened and then you will be off this wheel of having to keep coming back and being reborn over and over again. So that's the kind of traditional view in India. Um, this wheel of rebirth, it just goes on forever until you get off the wheel. Right. So yeah. in the West, through the introduction of some esoteric ideas from Helena Blavatsky and the Secret Doctrine, forming the Theosophical Society, and then Alice Bailey, who was basically receiving telepathically this teachings from one of the, the masters of wisdom. And the way they explain it, and the way Blavatsky was explaining it, introducing the masters of wisdom, was that humanity um, is going through this evolutionary process and that some of the members of humanity have gone ahead of humanity. Instead of just becoming enlightened and leaving the planet, they stay behind as the elder brothers of humanity and help humanity achieve 
the goal of liberation in a sense. And the, the idea that when you have become liberated, you're no longer in physical incarnation here. Um, and they, they presented this idea that there are paths that people go on these spiritual paths that are outside the planet. They don't reincarnate here, but they go on to higher spiritual dimensions that have, have yeah. planets associated with them, but higher higher planets. And then they find some way of evolving through those planets, and, and every planet has a school. And so the idea is that we're, we're all taking classes, um, and the Earth school is not very, you know, the people on the Earth are not very evolved. And um, so that's why we're going through all these difficult times to try to evolve and eventually learn that we're one humanity. I mean, the, the ideal of human unity permeates all of those teachings, including the teachings of Sri Aurobindo. Um, he even had a book, I think, called The, the Ideal of, of Human Unity. So these masters of wisdom who were introduced by Blavatsky, who stayed behind to help, were endeavoring to, um, in, in this updated version of the secret doctrine through Alice Bailey, were saying that that what's happening is that now these spiritual teachers who were behind the scenes working with their disciples in the world to evolve uh, culture and civilization as vehicles for humanity to evolve to higher states of consciousness, they have to have some framework in order to, they have to have a civilization and they have to have a culture that reflects the higher ideals and ways for people to realize those ideals individually and collectively. So that's in the teachings that come out through this Ageless Wisdom teachings, the, the Lucis Trust is the publication, co the company that publishes the Alice Bailey books. So that's the, the, the situation in the world is one in which humanity is, is going through a, a school individually and collectively, and that's what we're seeing all of these difficulties. These are not academic subjects, but they're really lived experiences for people. Your life is a, is a lived experience, and the goal is to realize your true nature, your higher self, uh, through this evolutionary process. The way it was presented by Benjamin Krem is that the eldest brother of all of these great teachers, the most experienced, because every time you come into incarnation, uh, even if you're a master, you, you can come back and, and help humanity in some way, you're still gaining experience. So you're always evolving. You're always looking for ways to help humanity in some way. Um, the reason is that once you become a master, then um, you're no longer an individual, you're part of the collective whole. And we were discussing this in a previous context that there's a purpose for our planet and that yeah. implies that there's a being who has the purpose. So if we think about our whole planet and all the evolutions that we see, the mineral, vegetable, animal, human, and beyond, there are higher evolutions than those, um, they're all evolving to some point of perfection in the future, but they're going through time to get to that point. And so we're embedded in time and seeing if we have whatever our level of education is, we see a past and then we look at people who are advocating for the future, um, who are talking about yeah. things that we will develop in the future, but we have to work on it now and we have to learn to work together as, as a collective instead of being separated from each other. So that's what humanity is, is faced with right now. In order to solve all these myriad problems that we have, whether they're social, political, environmental issues for the planet, um, we have to become one. We have to realize unity. 
And so only by working together as, as one humanity can we solve all these problems. So that's what we're, we're faced with now. The idea that Alice Bailey presented was that this group of elder brothers who was helping humanity is actually going to become public. And for thousands of years, they've been operating behind the scenes in the various mountain regions of the world, like the Himalayas, and that they um, communicate to their disciples who they're helping um, to work out this plan. So they're not public figures. People don't know who they are as the masters, but they do know their disciples who through hundreds of years, uh, we have seen the development of Western civilization, for example, or Eastern civilizations. And those, those civilizations are worked out through their disciples over many lifetimes. And so now what's going to happen is that these masters are going to become public figures. And many of them will be seen in the world, known who they are, looked for their great wisdom and advice on how to help people solve the problems of the world. But right now, their voices are being heard through their disciples in the world. So anyone who's advocating for helping humanity in some way, humanitarian ideals, are working under the, the influence, the impression of one or other of the masters. So that's how we're working right now. There are probably many examples of these um, disciples in the world whose names are well known to us, whether it's in the political sphere, whether it's in the business sphere, but they themselves may or may not be aware of their conscious relationship to the masters. Right, right. Yes. And yes. isn't it a conundrum to some extent? that we have this problem of needing to prepare the world in a way for this event to happen, and at the same time, in a way we can't do it without their presence. Isn't that kind of also a bit of a conundrum? Uh, well, the presence is energy. When someone um, is a disciple, they have more energy available to them because they're, they're working a, out part of the plan. <clears throat> so that their master will send energy through them, which means that they'll have a more magnetic personality, they'll be more dynamic, they'll be in more of a leadership role in whatever field that they're working in. New ideas will come through them. So they're kind of like a miniature extension of the master. And so the energies that are producing okay. change in the world will come through that disciple, even though it's coming eventually from the master. Everything uh, in the uh, in the universe is energy, and it's in motion, and it's evolving. So um, there's a forward motion, and then there's times where there's less energy. It's like the ocean. You know, the tides come in, the tides go out. So the tides of progression, of progress come in, and then the tides, you know, less, I should say, less energy of progress takes over for a while, and then there's more energy that comes in. So these great cycles come in hundreds or thousands of year cycles. The masters are not generating these energies. They're bringing those energies in from other higher sources, including outside the planet. So they are limited by what they can do in terms of working out this plan because these energies come in cycles. So everything's done in cycles. Just like we have cycles of the seasons, we have cycles of the moon, we have cycles of life and death. Everything in the universe is in cycles. And then the masters also have to work through the limitations of their disciples in the world. Until they're a master, they're going to be issues that uh, they make mistakes and they don't get things quite right. And they're also part of larger, larger social movements because the master's energies can permeate large groups of people also in the progressive direction. And so if you have people who are <clears throat> feeling like they need peace in the world, 
and they need justice in the world, and they go out and they protest that, the masters will feed energy into that group and promote uh, progress in that direction. And then after a while, there's a there's an ebb after that flow, and things will quiet down, and then a new cycle will come, and energies will progress forward. So that's something that people have to realize. That progress doesn't go uniformly. It goes in cycles. And so we have cycles of progress followed by cycles of quiescence. And then it just keeps on going. But we're now on the edge of of this realization that has to happen through a a large enough number of people in the social area where you want justice, in the political area, you want to bring these ideals uh, down into physical manifestation through government, through laws. We have education where ideas are coming into contact with many other ideas. We're seeing in the world right now this big split between the past and the future, between people who want to realize these ideals. The ideals that the masters have are all out there. All the ideals are there, written up in books and people talking about them all the time. By the same token, the energies of retrogression that want to go backwards and hold on to an old past set of ideals are represented by millions of people as well. And so we're kind of right in the middle of those two. Um, Fossil fuel is an example of something that was useful in the past, but now is destroying the planet. Um, and people are taking both sides on that. Yeah. So, so you, but you have a hopeful, you have a hopeful yeah. perspective yeah. Uh, on this whole thing. You, you see it, you see it working out in the end. Um, yes. No, I, I feel that that's the direction that we're going. Um, I can see that in everyday life, if you keep up on the media um, and you educate yourself continuously, Um, that you can see that there is a a positive direction and you can see that there are negative forces that are opposing that. And that's what we see now. And you interpret events like that. Um, You interpret events from from the point of the hierarchy where they're trying to teach lessons to people um, about what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. There's an inherence to this. Even children know that um, it's a better thing to share your toy than to to fight over it. (laughs) But uh, people have forgotten about it. Right, exactly. So in terms of the masters, let's just get back to that subject in general. Yeah. Well, even in the Bible, there's talk about angels, and angels will visit people and teach them lessons about life. (laughs) So you find them in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? So the angels are actually the masters. And so they're coming to humanity in some way. And these stories then are written up and become part of the sacred literature. And every religion has sacred literature in which, whether they're angels or they're coming in some um, other form, they're always there to help in some way or to teach you some lessons. Because this ongoing school that we're all in is always going on continuously, if you recognize it. Right. Um, in terms right. of how they do that, the masters are looking in two directions. They're looking to humanity, try to help humanity, but they're also looking to the higher, the center, which is ensouled by a great being who has the purpose for this planet. And that purpose is unfolding through time, um, even though outside of time, it's almost like what they call in the esoteric literature, the logos, the planetary logos, is sounding a note for millions of years. This note is being sounded, but it's also, it's a very complicated note. It's made up of subtones, and it's also made up of those those tones have sub subtones and so on, and those are changing. So it's almost like listening to an orchestra uh, playing a whole piece with different instruments that are coming and going in and out, 
And so over time, this tone that's being sounded outside of time manifests through time um, as all of our civilization and culture and experiences. So that tone is taken as energy by the masters and worked into um, a, a realizable plan for the humanity of whatever time that they're in. And then, of course, all of this is a function of what energies are available for the masters to create the civilization for humanity to evolve through. So humanity needs a form um, to work through. Um, humanity has learned to, to live in complex cities, and um, the life that we have now is the most complex of, of any civilization that we know about in the past, and now is all interconnected uh, around the planet. Everybody knows what's going on around the planet should they, they choose to, you know, and everybody can have a, a phone and they can call up anybody right. on the planet if they know their telephone. So everybody is connected now right. in, a, in some way. So the, the masters are working through not only their individual disciples who are leaders in some field, um, but they're also working through millions of people who have taken these two sides. So one idea that Alice Bailey introduced was the, the idea that in these cycles, um, we have ages, what are called uh, in India, they call them yugas. Um, and these ages are characterized by certain qualities, certain energies. They, they, they bring in this idea of astrological energies. Um, and these ages um, are related to the precession of the equinoxes and a full cycle is about 25,000 years. We're just completing uh, a cycle. The last uh, 2,500 years or so, 2,000 years have been characterized by the energy of Pisces. Um, and so that energy has brought in a quality of idealism to people that didn't exist before. If you look at the religion of Rome and Greece, um, there was no devotional energy at all in there. There was it was more like a mechanical energy where you you do things hoping that that the gods will smile on you if you make a sacrifice or something. But what came in with Christianity right. was this idea of a devotion to God, devotion to Jesus, for example, in the West. Mm -hmm that didn't exist before. And so that devotion mm -hmm. to a cause has characterized the last 2000 years. But what happened is that that cause became materialistic. And so there's a large part of humanity which is devoted to materialism. And they're, they're, they're de so devoted to it that yeah. they'll give up their life <laughs> devoted to materialism. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, on the other hand, right. there's now people coming in. The new religion. Are, yeah, the new religion now, which is coming in, is is a religion of, of humanity, of the one humanity. And so they're they're going to be yeah. consciously looking for help, looking to whatever spiritual help in whatever form. So the masters can, can take any form. Um, and whether you believe in the masters or don't, if you're an idealist for these new energies, you'll be looking to to help humanity in some way is serving humanity. So Alice Bailey introduced yeah. this notion that between the masters and everyday humanity, there's this group of more evolved humanitarian people that they called the new group of world servers. And so there's millions and millions of people around the world, mostly unseen because they don't get any publicity, but they're working in their lives to help humanity in some way at the local level or, you know, national level or international level. So those are the people right. that are the, ultimately being influenced by the ideas of the masters to help bring humanity forward. So there's no gap between the masters and, and humanity. There's um, people at different levels of evolution, but they're a gradation going from the masters on down to everyday humanity. And 
because if the masters came out and started talking to everyday people, they wouldn't be understood. Their energy is too high. It's too abstract. So they need people who are able to bridge that gap and talk to people in their own terms. And so you always have to have the ability right. to step down the teachings to a level that, that people who have a more limited education or limited intelligence can understand, but have maybe an incipient uh, need to, 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 to feel that they can help in some way. Um, so yeah. That's what we're living through right now, you know, for the people that are aware of that. The process. It'll eventually give way, I suppose, to um, more and more people becoming conscious and aware of the need to voice their desire and their ideals for a better future. What the hierarchy is up against, you know, the, the old patterns are reasserting themselves where the ideal was human unity. Um, and now it's about uh, selfishness, essentially, in a way, at an individual or collective level. So the, the forces which are right. trying to hold humanity back hold the hierarchy from manifesting through humanity, the ideals, are trying to create doubt and fear and chaos through all of, you know, and lack of the opposite of, 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 of unity, disunity. The Lord of Civilization, who's trying to bring in the seventh ray, is trying to provide the energy that will help these new ideals of the future to physically manifest in some form. And so we're seeing that being played out, the dynamic. Mm -hmm. We have new energies coming in on a daily basis that, to try to create the new ideals and working through the people who, who are the idealistic people that want to try to help humanity in some way, humanitarians, um, and try to find new forms for business, for example, new forms for government, um, new forms in environmental help for, for, for nature. Um, but at the same time, there's the other forces of chaos that are trying to destroy all of that. So that's what's being played out in the world, in the whole world scheme, essentially. Um, and gradually, the forces of order are coming in a, a little bit more, a little bit more. Meanwhile, the, the courses of chaos are trying to create as much chaos as they can. So that's what we're in the middle of uh, today, the, the forces between the future and the past. Um and so this is not easy. You can't just what flip you, a switch, you know, and have it happen. It takes time to work these things out. Sharon International has been talking for a long time about Maitreya returning to the everyday world, and he's actually already in the world, as we know. We've heard um, for a long time, since 1977, he's been here. And actually, his presence in the world also has a huge impact, even though he hasn't officially made himself public. Is that your, oh, is that your experience? Uh, his, yes, yeah? yes. Um, the people who were around Benjamin Krem, um, because Benjamin Krem had a connection, telepathic connection with one of the masters. So if people had an experience um, of someone who in the past might have been thought of as an angel, um, because they got some healing, they got some teaching, um, then Ben would check with his master and get confirmation about what people's experience was. So... Um, a lot of the people on your show will have spiritual experiences, and they will get some feedback and confirmation from Ben's master about what that was or who that was. Um, and then that reinforces the fact that it was a real thing. It's a real thing. And, and that Ben's message is essentially that in this process that's called the externalization of the hierarchy, the masters are coming back into the world. And there's certain masters that work um, with these groups, and specifically Ben's master. And some of the masters that are mentioned in Alice Bailey, Master Kutumi, the Master Moria, um, and the Master Jesus, and that because they have this connection through Benjamin Krem and the Master, then ex people have ex spiritual experiences 
they can say, yes, that's a real experience, and this is who's involved in it, and this is what it means. And that is very rare. But Ben is putting forward a whole um, next level of, of detail on the Alice Bailey material and bringing it into the 21st century, essentially. When, by saying that the masters are in the world, they've taken up residence in certain cities, um, which brings them closer to humanity. Um, the masters are learning about humanity on a daily basis. That's the thing people don't realize. They're not sitting there in the mountains. Um, they're either telepathically working through their disciples around the world, which there are thousands, or they're walking the streets and they have direct experience of the problems, but they can't come out into the public because for one thing, their energy is too high. They, 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 the energy would just bounce off of people, but they're learning by looking at current events, looking how humanity is responding to these energies. And so they will then, that provides feedback for them. So that's like, like they're able to tune things better by actually being on the ground and physically seeing how humanity is responding. Their consciousness is at higher, higher levels than the mental plane on the, on the energies where we call love and wisdom and higher intelligence and the purpose energies. So they're living in that reality, but they're also trying to bring that down into this dense physical. And so by being on the ground, they are able to see the problems of humanity in more detail than they could if they were just in on higher abstract levels. So that's the benefit of having Maitreya on the ground and the masters. Um, because the forces of chaos, um, the forces of the people who are fighting the influence, the, the pro progress for the planet, um, have been on the ground for a long time. And they're highly intelligent. They just don't have any love, but they're extremely intelligent and they can manipulate uh, the people who respond to their energies of selfishness. Uh, and that's how this battle is being fought right. out. So it's right. this process of the externalization of the hierarchy takes place um, over a long period of time. Um, and again, the masters just can't come out because this process of learning, if, if you learn something, it's best if you learn it for yourself. If you think about an experience you've had, right. And, and you think about a direction, this is a good thing. I want to emulate somebody like Jesus, his qualities right, in my life. Then um, it's something that, that is an inner process that you have to discipline yourself. You have to understand what these conflicts are in yourself, what that means. Um, nobody can, can tell you on the outside how to live because that would be how the forces of authoritarianism work. They impose from the outside, from the physical level. It has to come from within each person. Right. So the right. Um, old devotional ideals of the past um, are now being superseded by this ideal of direct experience. You don't do something because it's told that you should do this. You direct, it's, it's about your own inner experience of this is right and this is wrong. Um, so that's what we're seeing, that people are mechanically responding yeah. because they were devotees to some particular ideal of the past. And they don't think about it. They're just devotees to some ideal. And now the young people are coming in and looking around, and they're using their own judgment. They're using their own intelligence. And they have everybody could – you could say that everybody has in their heart wanting to help humanity. But if it gets overlaid by some structures from the from selfishness and the past, bitter – make you feel you're part of some larger group of people who all believe the same ideal that you do, then you follow that, but you're not thinking about it. You know, you're yeah. kind of mindlessly following this herd. You're devoted to this ideal very strongly that you're going to, you know, want to take up a gun or something about it. But that's the past. 
you know? So that's now, now right. this endeavor is to feel that you're one with humanity, feel that you want to take the ideals that Jesus taught about, you know, love your neighbor. Um, and then how do you actually work that in practice? So that's where we are now is the teachings of Jesus versus the teaches, teachings of the corporations, <laughs> which are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But as, as we already said, this is all eventually going to run itself out and we're going to end up on the, the next page. I mean, this yes. is not going to be forever. We're just in the middle of a really intense battle at this yes. time. And, right? and each person has to take to the streets or, or in whatever part of life, you know, whether they're talking to somebody, whether they're voting, whether they're working in education, working in politics, it's whatever field that you're in, you put your life behind it. You know, um, that's why this energy that's coming in from Maitreya that, that he calls this um, spiritual cleavage, essentially a cleavage of consciousness. And, and you have to decide which side you're going to be on. You, you are with the past or with the future. And the, the biggest problem is that the, some people who are in between and they are not making up their minds about which side is on. So the pressure is continual until people decide which side they're going to be on. Um, so that's, you know, like people are kind yeah. of asleep. Um, he said the most biggest problem in the world is complacency. So that's why you have to, people yeah. who've wedded to materialism, not as some overwhelming um, ideal, but just kind of that's the pattern of their life and they want comfort, you know? Um, but mm -hmm. you have to become uncomfortable. Um, we're seeing scientists now who are taking off their lab coats and going out and protesting in front of banks because they, they know yeah. from, from, ex, from their researches that we're, what we're doing to the planet, we're destroying humanity destroying the planet um and it's just not a theoretical thing anymore and so that's the realization you have to get out and do something and become active in whatever area just become active yeah. in something <laughs> you see that on the spiritual path you become a seeker you become a seeker after truth and and that whole notion has to spread throughout humanity that the people who are open to to looking for answers who are looking for questioning what's going on and that has to be something that humanity has to take on this whole attitude of the spiritual seeker. Um, so the younger people who are coming in have different energies in, in embodying them. And so the energy of Aquarius um, is coming in with an energy of unity, um, of the oneness of humanity. Right. Um, but they're looking right. for ways of expressing that. So mm -hmm. and meanwhile, the, the forces of chaos are looking for every new thing that helps divide people. Right. Um, Getting back to the question before about the master's um, you were asking me if there was a couple of things. Um, there was there was two articles which, um, or two letters that that I sent in uh, to Ben over the years. Um, one was um, about a series of advertisements that we had at Easter time, to to kind of talk about the need for justice in the world and for love in the world and the fact that the Christ is in the world to help humanity and so on. Um, so in two thousand and eight we ran a series of 30-second spots on a local television station just because it was Easter and a little inspirational message. And we spent $2,000 in 2008. This is basically saying, well, if the Christ or Buddha returned today, would you recognize him? The one awaited by all major religions has come when we least expected it. He is ready to emerge openly very soon. Where is he? Why is he here? To find out, call this toll-free number to hear an extraordinary message. 
And this, Rich, was uh, because you were involved with Share International. You were uh, actually yeah. a volunteer right. working with Share International. Yeah. So okay. we had worked in the past with a, a salesperson who knew us at this you know, TV station, um, and she was sympathetic to the message because you have to get, they have to get accepted. They won't just play any message, you know? Um, so she was sympathetic to the message and said she'd try to get us a few extra spots. So we had a contract for 16 ads to run the two weeks before Easter. But when we got the log back to say, you know, when did it, because they have to have proof that your show advertisement actually ran and when it ran. And we found that, that it actually ran 30 times instead of the 16 times. Wow. So, um, and there was over 200 people who called the number, the toll-free number, and listened to the four-minute recorded message. Um, and then of those 200 people, 40 people left their names and addresses to get further information. So that was a pretty good response. So then in a recent issue of the magazine, Ben wrote that Maitreya was prompting groups to advertise um, by manifesting several advertisements himself. So our question for Ben was that, well, we got 30. We, we paid for 16. We got 30. Was there a little help? And, and Ben's master confirms that the extra advertisements were manifested by Maitreya. So that's another example of not just a physical person that you meet, but something that they can do um, for something that you're doing. They can expand that, you know, add more energy to it, to some aspect of what you're I recall that there was actually an, a similar thing that happened in Japan. Yes. Uh, among the Japanese share international groups yes. where there was the advertisement was ridiculously like a hundred thousand dollars or some ridiculous amount of money. They could do 50,000 and apparently they got a special deal somehow. And, and it was also something that was helped by the masters. I don't remember the actual details. Do you remember? Um, it's the same idea, you know, that yeah. um, they get a discount or they get, they get a twofer, you know, or something. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so the masters yeah. are not just manifesting themselves as a person that you meet, but they are helping you to, to do things that they can, they can work behind the scenes, you know, to influence people on a mental level to, to give you extra help. So um, they can look at situations that you become involved in, and then they can add something to that add some help to that in some way. So that's what they're doing on a constant basis. Yeah. That's why people have to be proactive. They have to get in and everything that you do can be energized in some way to help humanity. Um, and that's going on constantly. So the masters are constantly helping their disciples in some, some way, energetically. Part two of this interview will air on February 2nd. You've been listening to Mystic Takeaway. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with others. Thanks for listening.